Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, and thanks for listening. I am back with Margie Priestley, Karen Rack, and Kimberly Rivera, and we are here to talk about mothering kids ages 12 through 15 and answer a few more questions about this age group from women in the church. Um, If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you do that. But the first question we're going to open with is fun. How do you deal with disrespectful and or unkind attitudes toward you as a parent? Do you ever struggle with taking offenses too personally from your children? If so, how do you guard yourself from being too easily offended and graciously explain to them the way their actions or words impacted you and then confront sinful attitudes? Ooh, I get to start, huh? All right. Well, um, first of all, I think it's just important to remember that disrespectful attitudes, unkind attitudes, it's, it's sin. And, um, and it needs to be dealt with. It doesn't need to be ignored or just passed off as, well, that's just their age or they're, you know, they're in the teen years. That's, that's not a good answer for us to accept. So start with that. But, um, and I will also just sort of identify that, you know, a bad attitude from our children, it definitely is very frustrating, can be infuriating, can be deflating as a parent, annoying, hard. Um, but reminding ourselves that these attitudes are revealing what's going on in our hearts and, um, that there's possibly you know that we're dealing with pride in ourselves and and they're dealing with pride, anger, wrong thinking, sin, all that. So I guess what I was gonna say is uh, we need to deal with them. The alternative is to suffer for it later. So let's deal with it now, <laughs> and um, that's a wise thing to do because the Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So we don't want to leave our children to themselves when they're being disrespectful. So I'll, that was kind of my beginning, but I want to go in that I, you know, I, when I encounter disrespectful attitudes with my children, you know, and I, initially it's like, okay, that's not okay. I'm going to, we need to deal with that. I like to go back to um, some real basics. The authority structure that God has established in his word really helps me. It helps me and my kids because I'm reminding them and I'm reminding myself. And so I go back to just the basics of, okay, God's on top. He is God. He is sovereign over all things and there's no one higher. So this is important to tell our children that. And then God's in his perfect design has wisely given parents authority over their children to discipline them for their good and to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So, so I tell them, I try to remind myself, my children this, like, okay, God's on top and then he's put us over you and your job, according to God's word, um, I'll even read it, it what's to honor and obey parents. Um, it says, uh, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That's from Ephesians 6, 1 and Exodus 20, 12. So, I like to go back with my children when we're dealing with these um, disrespectful attitudes and just remind them of the authority structure that God has established, that it's, you know, God is the designer. He knows what's best. And so um, it is there. Um, God has, God has said that they need to respect me or to honor me and to obey me. Um, and that 
it's going to go well with them if they do. There's a promise associated with it. So I like to bring that up with them. And it's got a positive spin to it, that it's really for their good. Um, and so uh, I guess that's the first thing. And then practically um, ways to deal with it. I think of speaking to them with gracious frankness. So I need to be gracious in my words and use choice words when I'm uh, dealing with these issues um, and humble honesty. But, um, but I need to be frank with them and tell them it's not okay that you're being disrespectful. Um, but I'll give an example of a way I've communicated before. So I might say something like, I really want to have a good relationship with you, but something is off. And this might be in the case of just a issues where I can just tell there's like there's a little attitude behind what they're doing and so I'll, I'll start sometimes our conversation that way and um, I can tell you might be irritated with me I want to understand so we can make things right because you know we want a good relationship and I want it to go well with you so I might start a conversation with that but I'll be I'll be frank with my kids and tell them I feel I, I really sense that you're being disrespectful what's going on let's let's try to figure this out because that's not okay and then um, also let them speak with respectful frankness to me. But the key is respectful frankness um, because that's what the Word of God, that He wants them to honor us. So I, I, I remind them, you can say anything you want, just keep it respectful. Um, and when they are doing that, it's really key that I'm not immediately defending myself. I need to listen, take in what they're saying, filter it through wisdom, even praying for God's help while I'm listening to them. Um, being slow to speak and affirm them by saying, hey, I hear what you're saying. And um, so I think that Margie said this earlier, um, maybe in the part one, but I think uh, the kids, a lot of times these disrespectful behaviors could be due to um, they're offended with us or, you know, our our kids can see right through us. We're We're not fooling anybody. So if, you know, Let's just be really honest. Our kids are very smart, and they can see our failings. It's it's right in front of them. They're not blind. So um, sometimes their frustration and um, disrespectful or unkind words could be emanating from some hurt and frustration um, that really might be my own sin, that they're having to deal with my sin. And they're having a hard time dealing with it. And so I think that's really important that I keep my eyes on my own heart too during all this. And I need to be really humble um, and to examine myself in all this as I'm trying to get to the bottom. You know, again, sin is not okay in them to be disrespectful. But have I also been doing something that has sinned against them to make them angry? And so this is just really important that we're all in the same vein of dealing with their sin, I'm, I need to deal with mine as well. So, um, I don't know, just kids can spot a hypocrite from a mile away, and um, and I just want to make sure they know that I know I'm a sinner. And I did have one of my daughters tell me that when I tell them my failings and my weakness, and when I come to them humbly, that's the moment she wants to open up. Because then she says, then I don't feel like it's like all the fingers are being pointed at me. I fi- I feel like okay, I'm not I'm not the only one struggling with this, and you understand. And there's humility goes a long way. God gives grace to the humble. It's one of my favorite verses. Um, if you're dealing with disrespect for your children, or if you're dealing with kind of any sin, what Karen mentioned is really examining your heart. 
And and two ways I think that we can provoke our children to anger and provoke them to being disrespectful towards us. And one of those ways is if I am not respectful to my husband, why in the world um, would I expect my children to show him respect or to show me respect because I'm sitting right there in front of him. So um, what Karen mentioned is really being humble and and showing our children I'm a sinner too and um, um, and, and make sure we're not provoking them to anger in that way. And another th- another way I think we can um, provoke these young teenagers to anger is, having different expectations. Mark having one set of expectations and me having another, and that can can really um, cause a lot of anger and disrespect because they're confused about what the standard is. Um, and then Mark really encouraged me. He said a lot of times the mom is kind of gets the brunt of the disrespect and correcting it. And he, he said it's really important for dads to step in. And if if a ch- child's showing disrespect to the mom or to him that him taking the lead, um, because this is a big deal. It's 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 really a, a sign that their heart is rebellious, not just toward us, but like Karen said, this is God. God's put us as an authority. Well, what I would add is not from me, really. It's from Ted Tripp, and he said, do not ask the question or say, you make me feel like this when you said that. Because all that's doing is to teach the child how to use their feelings as a weapon against you. You know, so you um, you don't talk about how they made you feel, but you talk about their behavior. Um, and then also uh, what Kim said about uh, having the opposite parent deal with the disrespect. And for single mothers, I would say you need to have someone that's close to your child that uh, can kind of give them pep talks or draw them out about their attitudes. And um, anyway, one of the things I've noticed during COVID, uh, I think families have slowed down, and I've really seen... Um, families enjoying each other more and so I really if you're not enjoying your family I think um, you maybe need to take a few things out of your schedule and and slow down some so the next question is how do you go about setting and maintaining standards of behavior or family rules expectations Um, how can you envision your kids for these things especially when they don't agree with or like them? Um, as far as setting and maintaining standards of behavior or family rules, I guess the first thing would be that God's word is the plumb line. Um, you know, what he says is the truth. And so we base our standards on that. And, you know, I think just important to ingrain into our own hearts and our children is that we are ultimately accountable to the Lord. And and that really should motivate us to follow his ways. You know, we are accountable to God. All of us are, mom, dad, and kids. Um, So we're all on the same playing field there. So being that God's word is our plumb line um, or our standard, um, 
I would say in our family, we don't have like rules written up on the wall or anything. We have, we have principles from God's word that we're trying to just walk through. And um, like that Deuteronomy 6 passage, I think that Margie said in the previous broadcast or podcast, um, you know, that when we lie down, when we walk along the way, you know, we are living out, trying to live out God's standard and his rules. So, um, but I will say just a few that kind of keep recurring in our house, like things that um, seem to be gurgling up from my spirit, I guess, that I'll say to the children a lot. A lot of times I'll, I'll remind them, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like it's really important that we just fear the Lord, that we respect him, that he's God and we're not. That's just a really good thing for us to kind of, that helps us on all kinds of levels, you know, that we're gonna, that fearing the Lord, respecting him, that God sees and knows all things. Um, you know, I don't know what my kids are doing behind closed doors, but when I teach them early on that, you know, God sees everything. I'm going to miss stuff. He's not going to miss anything, you know, and, 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 and only God can change our hearts. We need the Lord to change our hearts. So these things that we are talking about, God's word being inerrant and teaching us the truth about life and godliness and our origin and our greatest need and his righteous ways. And I just think these are all principles that just keep coming up in our home when different things occur. So we just talk about them and, um, and then I think there is something to be said again for repentance because um, we mess up, you know, a lot of times in our home, just not too long ago, actually, um, it really came to my attention that there were some things that we were doing that were hurting a few kids. I mean, it, we were really, like, we were the problem. I, I was the problem, probably. Um, but that we, really, all, the whole family had been slipping into just uh, coarse jesting and hurtful teasing and interrupting, just disrespectful behaviors. And, um, and we did it just like we, we needed to take stop and, and repent and just say, Hey guys, this is, we are really not, this is not going well. We have mm-hmm. been, we've let our lips get loose and, and this is, you know, people are getting hurt and, um, you know, it was shutting down conversation for some folks. They just would rather be out of the room than in the room. And so, um, again, just repentance is always a, a good thing and, and we need to be good repenters in our home and model it as mom and dad. And I think when we model that, um, it helps our kids to repent also. It makes it more of a, that's a good and normal thing. And also just remind ourselves that God, um, when we do confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, um, yeah, so I guess God's word is the plumb line. We're trying to walk according to that and those principles are just sort of coming up in daily life with all kinds of circumstances. There is a book I would recommend for this topic, and it's The Heart of Anger by uh, Lou Prilio. Yeah. But anyway, it deals with thing blind spots that you know we could be doing as parents that could cause. Um, bad attitudes in our children and anger. So anyway, I love that book, and I think every parent should own a copy. So I love this question because I feel it hits at the heart and soul, the ultimate goal of parenting. 
Um, and I'm going to start with a couple Bible verses. First uh, Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Um, both of you all have mentioned the Deuteronomy 6 passage. Um, Ephesians 4, bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And um, First Thessalonians 2.11, you know how we have exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Um, and then Ephesians 5, 1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And there's a quote that I wanted to share about that verse. God shows how to be imitators of him by pointing out the way children imitate their parents. But it is beloved children who imitate, children who are loved by words and deeds and a consistent, steady faithfulness to God and seeking his work done in their souls. They are not neglected or ignored or have many lesser priorities placed ahead of them. They know deep in their bones that they are beloved and they seek to imitate. Who said that? I don't like them. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a Facebook friend. Is that awful? That's nice. a wow. That's a I'm, great I'm wowing over yeah. here. It, it was a Facebook friend posted that recently and it was so yeah. good. I just like God's kindness yeah. with this. So yeah. this is this is what we want to get. We want to get our parent our children to adopt our rules because hopefully our rules and standards are God's. That hopefully through our parenting we're pointing them to Christ and Margie mentioned it, so I won't go over it, but just we did the same thing when our kids are little, they have no freedom, no choice. And as they get older, the rules get less. Um I, a couple of years ago, I was having breakfast with one of my daughters. She was 17 at the time, I think. And this is a daughter who was our little rebel, was our, our rule pusher, our not follower, wanted to have her own way. That was who she was as a, a little girl and a toddler. And, and she said this to me. She said, Mom, you know, a lot of my friends kind of speak negatively about their parents. They don't like the rules. They kind of struggle with that. And I think the reason why all of us kids have such a good relationship with you and Daddy and we've never rebelled against you is you don't have any rules for us. And any rules you have, we know they're debatable. And I just laugh because if you know us, we're, we're pretty strict. Um, but she hit on a, a real truth, and that was because she is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, um, it is our goal for her to have 100% freedom to obey God in any way he's called her to do. Um, so this is, this is just exciting, and we get to go through this with our kids. And, and so a couple, of, a couple of thoughts and ideas as we, as we go through this is um, to be really careful to differentiate between biblical standards and how standards. So um, I actually sat my kids down. I said, okay, what rules do we have that y'all don't like or you disagree with? And they couldn't come up with one. And I actually came up with one for them because I'm having to remind them all the time. I think they agree with it, but they don't really like it. And that is no roughhousing upstairs. That is purely a house rule. That is not Bible, um, but it is a, a matter of obedience. Um, so another thing we've done with our kids, especially in this age range, that it really helps them um, to, uh, to own God's standards, their own, is we um, really appreciate and encourage our children to push back against any of our rules biblically and respectfully. And, and I, I can think of 
of two different occasions where we have one was just a house rule and they came to us very respectfully and we changed it that evening and the other was a, a biblical principle we were talking about how we were disciplining some of the younger kids and our at the time young teenage son said mom I don't think that's biblical and he laid out a biblical argument and we always laugh um, poor Isabella uh, got some more spankings because her older brother convinced us that we we were not um, biblically disciplining her. So um, remember, if your children are believers, that you can learn from them. We're fellow heirs with Christ. So really be humble and, and, and learn from them because we did. We, we learned from our son there about how we could, how we could um, better, um, better parent our child. And then um, this would be my, my warning, and that is, if your teen is struggling with disrespect toward the parents, they really haven't earned the right to question the rules or to push back. It has to come uh, from the child with humility on their part and respect um, because ultimately God has made us the authority in their lives. The next question was, any encouragement for aiding growth in relationships between teens and younger siblings as they feel the differences in their ages, maturity, interests? So um, I think one of the keys is time with the family, as a family. And I mentioned this two years ago, um, but really for the first 12 or so years, we minimize a lot of friendships outside of the family because we really want to prioritize um, our children being good friends and having good relationships with their siblings. Um, Kind of another aspect of this is we recognize how um, our older children building a relationship with the younger children um, teaches our older children maturity and self-sacrifice. But it goes the other way. We've had these conversations with our little kids. Little kids will just talk about themselves all the time. And, and so we've, we've told the, the younger kids, look, you can tell the older sibling one or two things about yourself and then you ask them questions. So this is really beneficial for um, the olders and the youngers. Um, so, um, just some practical things are, our age range is 15 years. We have 11 children, um, and within a 15 year time span. So finding things that we all can do together and enjoy doing is kind of been challenging. So some kind of, um, all the way from babies up, um, Mark reads aloud, um, hiking or walking, and then camping, but really making the effort to find some things that everybody enjoys. Um, then there's another thing that we've always done that really kind of fosters this relationship between the children, and it's family fun night. It's every Friday, and it's hysterical now. Even our adult children will sometimes make the effort to be home on Friday nights, and it's changed over the years, but um, man, when they were little, we all just slept on the floor of the living room all night long together. Now we're all too old to do that, but um, the little kids will sometimes get us to do that. Um, just one other aspect is we really encourage our children to find friends um, who either have younger siblings or have a real open heart toward younger siblings. A lot of teenagers are just kind of caught up in themselves and they really kind of discourage the little kids or don't welcome the little kids in. So I, I think that's that's really important for our teenagers to um, 
find peers who have a really good attitude toward younger kids being around. I think that um, we should expect our children to care for and love their younger siblings. I really think this is ministry or learning service at the most foundational level. Um, they need, you know, I think it's it's sad when you'll see, you know, someone talk about ministering and serving outside, but they're rude or unkind. And you know, I'm not thinking of this. That just happens sometimes, and that's there's something big time wrong with that, right? I mean, it's the same thing. It's like I need to be making sure I'm doing the what we call small things and. They're really not small things, but the foundational level things really well. And so I think it's really important that we expect our children to care for and love their younger siblings. This is where they learn to serve the Lord and um, to love others well. So just go to Cain and Abel's story because um, remember Cain and Abel, uh, sons of Adam and Eve, story in Genesis, and God asked Cain about his brother Abel after he had after Cain had murdered him, and Cain replied, am I my brother's keeper? The right answer to that question is, yes, we are our brother's keeper. And obviously Cain's um, question to the Lord revealed that he did not believe that. And so um, that was a murderous heart that said, I'm not my brother's keeper. So, um, so we want to encourage that. And I love Kimberly's answers of all those very practical and fun ways to do that. So we, we also try to do a lot of things as a family and play games and be together and um, you know show interest in each other's um, interest and love each other well. So I just think that should be an expectation and a, a family norm. I think we did a lot of instruction on this with uh, when the children were younger that... Um, the way they treat each other is how they're learning to treat their future husband, their future children, their boss. You know, the verse, um, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. Um, the reason it goes well with you, if you honor your parents, you learn to honor your siblings. You learn to honor your next employer. And so it's very important how um, children treat each other. And so we did not let them pick on each other or uh, make fun of each other. If there was a conflict, um, as they grew older, we encouraged them to settle it amongst themselves. And um, so... Um, I think getting your kids away from media is very important. Uh, we loved hiking and camping together, and uh, often they were not allowed to bring their friends because we saw that when they were with their friends, sometimes they would be discontent with their siblings. And so we it was important to us that they loved their siblings. and so. Uh, camping and was always a real good thing for them. They always just loved uh, being out in the woods together. So, Okay, so the next question has to do with friendships. It's a huge category, so I'm just going to throw out um, a bunch of questions I got, and you guys can pick which ones you want to answer. So how much do you involve yourself in your child's friendships or peer relationships? 
How do you encourage them towards good friends and away from foolish ones? And how do you well how do you help them work through conflict, loneliness, struggle to fit in, peer pressure, bullying? Well, I think this may look different now than it did when my children were teenagers because of social media and how that plays in. And so um, I have uh, know of people whose children are dealing with depression and things like that. And I think largely in part, it's because the parents are not saying we're getting rid of our cell phones. And I think in that situation, it should be the parents get rid of their cell phone and the children get rid of their cell phones. That may sound radical, but it is not healthy. And teenagers, I do not think, have the maturity to look at all the Instagram things and uh, process that and still feel... uh, confident in their identity in Christ. And so, anyway, I just think, uh, you know, at least don't let them take them in their bedrooms or have some kind of boundary on it. But so that's uh, uh, a really something I didn't have to deal with. Do you guys have anything to say on that? I'm I'm actually going to echo what Margie said. This we're talking about 12 to 15 year olds. They're not driving. None of our kids in this age range have cell phones. Um, none of them have any social media. Um, and and honestly, um, I I think one of my adult children has a social media account that she posts pictures of a grandbaby on. But that's pretty much it. So I I would echo that. I I don't think this 12 to 15 year old age range. I, I just don't think they're emotionally equipped to handle this type of thing yet yeah we we don't have i guess until you are driving and really need a cell phone for safety purposes we don't do it either and i don't regret it i'm just really happy the only time that I've, i'm bummed we don't have a cell phone is when we're all going out and i realize i'm leaving a kid home without a cell phone i think we don't have a home phone either so we might need to leave one with you for that uh for that practical reason but no i do not regret holding back on technology in general. Um, So friendships, this is one of those really fun things that um, I really enjoy parenting through friendships in this age range. Um, I've mentioned before, maybe even tonight, um, that we kind of minimize peer relationships up until this point. And um, they they do have a lot of friends, but it's usually um, we get together as families and Um, They're either in our home or we're um, visiting at different places. Um, But really when our kids hit about 12, we actually sit down and have a conversation with them about picking good friends. And so um, I I literally will sit down and say, can you name at least one of your friends who encourages you to want to be more like Christ? Um, And then I ask the opposite of that. Can you name at least one of your friends who... Um, doesn't encourage you to obey your mom and dad, maybe discourages you from being nice to your siblings or really kind of makes it hard for you to um, live up to what you know mom and dad want from you. And, and then we just talk through that. On the one hand, we say that, that the people that, that point you to Christ seek out those relationships, make the effort with those people and really 
um, try to develop those friendships. And then on the other side is we all have um, a variety of different friends. And so with people who might, you might feel like these maybe aren't that great of an influence, are you being a good influence in their lives? Are you being a good friend? Is, are any of your friends listing you in this last group? Are any of your friends listing you in that first group? And so we'll just sit down and we'll really kind of talk through that. And um, I, I have I have sat down with one of my children and said, these, these, these people that you are choosing are aren't the people that are encouraging you to be more Christ-like. When you spend time with them, um, you're less kind to your siblings. You're less obedient. Um, and, and what's interesting is we've had two of our children, one kind of in our older kids and one in our younger kids, who invariably gravitated towards what I would say are not the positive relationships. And just to encourage you, if you have a child like this, is is our child who is is now an adult, um, this child has fantastic friendships. He is a great friend. He is a leader in his circles and he invariably now chooses good friends. So God really can redeem that, have a lot of hope for, um, our younger child who kind of just invariably, um, gears towards, um, towards the, just the, in, in a lot of times the people that we don't think are good influence are really cool kids. I mean, um, and and I it's interesting because both of both they're both boys and both of our sons that kind of have headed toward the cool kids, um, God's gifted them socially. So we're praying for our younger that he will he will kind of have that maturity. But we we do kind of stay involved and pay a lot of attention. I've I've mentioned before we we do almost everything as a family. So we're kind of watching these uh, friendships work out. So we still have a lot of involvement still in this 12 to 15 year old age range where the parents are still around. Yeah. My sort of, my take on this question would be, um, you know, definitely we've chosen to be very involved in friendships. Um, and we want to be hospitable. So we like, we like it when our kids bring people to our home and, um, making our place, our home a place where our kids want to bring their friends. So that takes some effort on part of mom. And, um, I mean, I'm going to like <laughs> make good food, have some good food around, have fun, wholesome things planned. Um, I mean, we've, I've even tried to talk my kids through, okay, we're going to have so-and-so over. Let's think of a few things that we could do while they're here. And, um, just trying to teach them how to, um, Think of healthy, wholesome, fun things um, to do. I guess um, just trying to help our children to cultivate good friendships. If we're going to use our homes for that, um, trying to stay one or two steps ahead of them and helping them to see how this can be done right. And, and also just being honest with my kids about how it was done wrong when I was a kid so that they know um, what I'm talking about when I say, hey, I don't know. I just want to be careful um, what we do when we're with our friends. And I don't know. I think that also there's the scriptures about, um, what is it, the companion of fools suffers harm. So we want to be careful who our friends are. And as Kimberly said, we want to be careful what kind of friends we are. So, so I remembered a story that Sarah has told me that um, Zach's mother was a real health food um, eater. And so all the kids had healthy foods at the house. And so she noticed that 
after school, the boys did not want to come to their house with their friends. They would always go to their friend's house. So she started buying junk food, and sure enough, their house became the party house. And so all the friends from school would come over to uh, the Varnell house because they had sodas and chips and all the things that Carolyn didn't want her kids eating, but she did it so that the kids would want to hang out there. So I thought that was a great idea. Okay, so I just want to end with final encouragement to moms. Um, you guys have done such a great job um, talking about these issues and um, especially talking about, like this is obviously just about as much about us and our hearts as moms as it is about our children and their hearts. And so I just would love to hear what you would say to encourage moms who are aware of their own weaknesses and inadequacies um, when they think about parenting and maybe even this makes them even more so. Um, what encouragements would you have for these moms? Um, so kind of my favorite mothering verse is Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And I just want to encourage what a high and important calling we have as moms and as we kind of come into the teenage years to really enjoy these people that God has has given you to raise. And and remember just one of one of the things that's so encouraging to me, God has perfectly equipped you to mother exactly the children that he has given you to mother. There is no one else that he is equipping to raise your children better than he is equipping you. And he will equip you. He'll be faithful. And and he's called you to good works. He's called your children to good works. But he doesn't just call you to the good works. He equips you for those good works. So be encouraged that he will um, equip you to um, raise the children that he has called you to raise. And also don't forget that uh, when we cry out to God for wisdom... He gives it. He wants us to have faith that he's going to give it. Um, So um, I cry out for wisdom often, and God is so faithful. Another scripture that I hope encourages you is that in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You are doing a good work work, a very good work that God has prepared for you to walk in. Mothering your children is a good work of God. And um, just, uh, it's not in vain as you're, as you're plowing through this. It's messy. Um, sometimes it's discouraging and frustrating, but that's again where I think we just find that um, de- dependency on God is a beautiful place to be. And going back to him and crying out for wisdom, and he is faithful to give it. So just be encouraged that um, the Lord sees what you're doing, and he is going to walk this path right with you and give you grace. But just be humble, because he pours out grace on humble people. So be humble. Thank you, Bethany. I guess... What I really want to encourage mothers to do is um, to enjoy their children and to not be afraid. I think our first concern is that our children believe in Jesus, 
but when we start to fear they're not going to, uh, we can tend to take matters into our own hands, and that can turn into pressure. Um, but if God was pleased to reveal himself to us, why would he not also reveal himself to our children? Um, so make our concern, our own relationship with God, and being authentic with our children in that. And um, anyway, enjoy them the way God enjoys us. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. You've put in a lot of time here with me tonight. And so thanks for being willing to um, answer all these questions and be here. Um, one thing I would say is you can talk, if you're listening to this and you have more questions, or if you're just going throughout your mothering life, you're going to have questions. And please go to someone who's older and more mature and or just ahead of you a season and ask questions. I gave them these questions ahead of time. I've just found that giving people questions ahead of time can be helpful or, or telling them, hey, I'd like to talk to you and letting them know kind of the category. It helps prep people because sometimes when you spring questions on them, it can be like deer in headlights. Um, and so um, I just encourage you, if you have questions, write them down. Um, pray for God to bring someone um, into your life that you can ask them to. And um, I think it's another way that God gives grace to the humble because um, we need help as moms. And um, that's one way we can get help is just through the wisdom of others as we've already benefited from tonight. So thanks again, guys. And thanks to everyone who listened. Mm -hmm.